Welcome to the Boost Up a podcast, a journey to self-discovery. I am your host, Khulud Smail, and if you didn't hit the subscribe button yet, please do so you won't miss any of the episodes. In this episode, I will continue the discussion with Rika Kose about eco-anxiety. This time, we will focus more on how to raise children in a climate crisis time. Good morning, Rika. And uh, thank you very much for making the time uh, to come today and discuss, uh, continue our discussion about eco-anxiety, especially after having a very interesting and very good uh, feedback from uh, our listeners uh, on the subject. Thank you very much, Kulud, for having me on today again. So listeners' feedback was great about last episode and appreciated the good side of eco-anxiety. And in the same time, they have expressed their worries about their children' well-being as a result for this anxiety. So high engagement has its benefit, but stress is not one of them. So my friend told me, that I do not want my son to operate in fears. He refuses to eat because he thinks that he will destroy the planet if he consumes food. Another one told me that her child is writing with a very, very small letters that even his teachers cannot read his handwriting. And when she asked him why, he said, I don't want to, to use paper because they are cutting the trees. And those different examples, I mean, the other one, I, I remember another one uh, as well that she said her child believed that in 10 years we will all be dead and he have lost any hope for the future. So at the end, eco-anxiety is like any other anxiety. It does have its negative impact if not handled well. And here, Rika, the question is, how can we help children to manage their eco-anxiety? You know, my answer to that, and that's probably not the answer that anyone wants to hear, but my answer is show our children that we struggle too. We no one has the answer today. We as parents struggle just as much as our children do. We might show it in different, in different ways. We might not be reducing or changing our diet. We might not be writing on smaller papers. We might, we might struggle with our financial investments, for example, because the financial industry is such a big player in climate change that um, we, might, we might struggle with coming to terms with that. And I think openly talking about the struggle and involving children in different kinds of decision-making that we have to face today is one of the first steps. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I try to do with my children, although my children are five and eight, so they are still pretty small, but we talk openly about what's going on. And I, I have, so for example, when, when the Amazon was burning last year, mm -hmm. I was talking to my son about it and um, we both started crying about it. And I said, look, I'm, I don't know. I don't know where this is going and I don't know what it means but it's the uncertainty that we have to be okay with. And as adults as well, we don't always have to have the solutions. And um, if I would say if children, if my children would want to experiment with living a different life, then I would encourage them to try it, to see where it lands. That's what I do with my clients. I always ask the question, 
is it right for you? If it's right for you, then it's right for you. If it's not, then um, look somewhere else. But we are bombarded with solutions today and we need to figure out what do we, what can we do? What sits right with us? Well, in a way, I really like your approach to be transparent and to talk openly with our children that we are struggling as well with those crises, the same like them. We should not hide information and we will not pretend as if everything is wonderful. That's wrong message to tell our children. Of course not, we will not do that. And in the same time, being the guardians for our children, I believe we have responsibility to help them understand how to handle eco-anxiety, how to handle those feelings, not to let it threaten their, their well-being, their, their health. Our kids have been already facing uncertainty during this pandemic for a year now. And for some of them, they have already developed another kind of anxiety as a result for adding it to it as well, eco-anxiety. So the challenge here has increased and we all need to increase the resources to build up our kids' resilience and their emotional well-being. We need to teach how and to show them as well how human have abilities to adapt to changes and the challenges and how we can be creative in creating the, the possible solutions. I absolutely agree and I love that you brought up the term resilience because that's something that I also see needs building in, in our children and in our youth at the moment. Um, what's, what I'm really inspired by is my, my son's school and my daughter's um, preschool as well. They both started to involve meditation into their, into their curriculum. So they're doing after, I know that they're doing it after physical exercise. Um, my daughter always does it, um, I think after their lunch break, they always have a time to calm down. And um, I really find that important that we create spaces where it's safe to just, to just calm down and not be always on this high stress level. And, um, but you're absolutely right when it comes to our responsibility as parents, I also think that we need to we need to not just be vulnerable in front of our children, but we also need to lead the way and um, starting with ourselves, for example, with meditation or with, with looking up different solutions, looking up different ideas, trying out different things. I think um, that can really help our children to build the resilience that you talked about. And um, one particular aspect that I'm always very, very passionate about is minimalism and scaling down and scaling down our physical positions and I found that with my children it really helps them to focus my children don't have very many toys they they I don't want to say their bedrooms are empty they get filled with other things they get filled with creative things a lot of a lot of drawings a lot of my son is really into playing the piano at the moment so there's a lot of notes flying around so it's a lot of creativity and that builds his resilience to, to be with less, to be okay with not constantly being distracted by things. He is able to focus on one thing at a time. And um, just this, like I said, I'm really passionate about minimalism. So this approach of, of scaling down, of, of 
thinking how much stuff do we actually need? How much physical stuff do we need? How much mental stuff do we need? <laughs> Decluttering and scaling down. I think those are great, great approaches to, to get a little bit of a handle of what's going on in our lives and what's happening around the globe at the moment, um, which we can apply to ourselves as adults, but also to our children. Indeed, minimalism, uh, consume less, uh, decluttering, I believe as well in moderation in everything. Such a wonderful concept. If we apply it, we won't have even waste if we are moderate in what we eat, what we have, what we wear, what we want to get. So considering a sustainable lifestyle willingly and consciously is the key point here. This approach is important to teach it to our kids that it is okay to use natural resources. We are part of this ecosystem and we have the right as well to use for our needs from those resources. And it is not okay that those resources to damage them, to deplete them and to waste and to pollute. Again, moderation and balance are the key words in my opinion for this situation. Can I just really come in at the consumption? So I'm a, I would just had this conversation with my kids last night, actually. We watched a little documentary about a Swedish designer, by all, by all means, um, a Swedish designer who recycles secondhand clothing into items, new items in the, in the clothing store. And um, it was really funny to watch my children's reactions to that because we only shop secondhand clothing. We are, my kids don't really like we sometimes go to normal clothing stores, but very rarely we often shop secondhand. And for them, it's not completely normal. So this whole consumption, I think we need to we need to really rethink how do we buy stuff? How do we buy clothing? How do we buy food? Um, one of my favorite approaches is to always tell people that I'm a vegetarian, which means that I buy buy food that I know where it comes from. So I buy vegetables um, at the moment, still at the supermarket, but I try to buy as much as possible from places I know, but it applies in particular to meat. So I only eat meat that I know the origins of, where I have met the people who, who either um, own the animals or have, who have slaughtered the, the animals. And um, so there's a couple of things when we think about consumption where we can rethink how we buy things, where we spend our money. Um, so I think when it comes to consumption in general, there is still a lot of room for us to consider not just what do we need, but how, how do we buy it? How do we, how do we consume what we need? What a beautiful way to consider to shop locally and to be aware about the sources and resources of all the material that we need to buy and how it was produced as well. Another thing comes to my mind when I wanted to share about regarding managing anxiety is to teach our children to start writing their journal so that they can dump into it all their thoughts and feelings. What a, and then the nice things about this that we then can encourage them to look at those thoughts and feelings in the, in the paper and look at their, use their imagination and push them to create plans and actions to find those solutions. Yeah, 
I, I journal myself, to be honest. Um, so I, I love the idea. I'd also like to add, um, if writing is not our listeners thing, um, what also helps I find is community. Um, I think I mentioned that last time as well, that your community doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be with the people who live close to us. It can be online. Mm -hmm. And I know that there is a lot of communities now growing that um, have the possibility to share how we're feeling. And I find this sharing lightens the burden because when we hear that other people are struggling as well, it makes us feel less alone. And I think loneliness is one of the biggest problems when it comes to anxiety because very quickly we get into this state of it's just me. I'm the only one who worries about this. I'm the only one who sees this. And it's in most cases, it's that's not true. That's not how it how it is, but it feels that way. And that makes it even worse. So I think there is a anxiety trigger just in that feeling of loneliness. So I think finding online communities um, that, so I just at the top of my head, I can think of one in particular that I was a member of. It's called Good Grief Network. Um, I can't, you'd have to Google it, but um, they are in the US and they offer these kind of circles where you come together and you talk about what's going on in your life. Um, there are, I'm sure there are, other, there are other approaches out there and there are other groups that help to, to talk about anxiety, that talk about eco-anxiety and that work with, with the emotions that come up around that. That's amazing. I, I honestly believe that if our, uh, our ethics of caring and empathy uh, and the support for each other, you know, wherever we are, if we can teach this to our kids and transfer this to our kids, that will be the most uh, uh, important internal uh, part of their life, that it will help them for the future to be to have a powerful impact. And through those groups, like what you just mentioned, I think it's one of the ways as well to uh, uh, connect with others. That's uh, absolutely. And here I would like uh, to ask you if there is any specific thing that you want your kids to learn from you for the future. What would be that thing? When it comes to me very personally is how to grow your own food. Cause I'm very passionate about food production and I'm very passionate about knowing what happens to my food. And we are now setting up a garden and we're involving the children actively in what it means to set up a garden. What do you need? Where do you get the seeds from? What happens to the seeds? How do you plant them? How do you harvest them? How do you store them? So everything around food production is something that I'm teaching my children because that's something that I'm very passionate about. So um, again, this comes back for me to the mirroring. It's all about I do what I believe my children or what I want my children to learn. Um, so I'm setting up the garden and I'm taking them on the ride with me rather than telling them what they should be doing. Um, so we work together and we work together to create something that I hope will um, enable them to, to be prepared for the future. That's amazing. Uh, lead by example. And I can see how passionate you are about it and you are doing it so you can your kids can mirror it and, and learn from, from you. That's beautiful. And it's, it's um, I mean, I must say you must be really lucky to have a land where you can 
practice this and or a garden you know like you can you can uh, plant it uh, so for people in who are living in cities that would be uh, not an easy but i would say even like a little uh, i bought last year uh, those seeds for tomato to grow up uh, tomato in a little pot uh, by the window of my kitchen that was a nice uh, experiment uh, with my uh, child. Uh, so it, it was uh, like even small thing, even with the plant that uh, we look after it in, in the house and making sure that it won't die and, you know, put it in the right corner to have some sunlight, uh, the water, the right amount of water. And so all those um, uh, uh, principle of caring and growing up things but I absolutely agree with you and I love that uh, you know growing uh, your own vegetables uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing uh, to have this uh, ability. Can I just add to that really quickly it's not just growing the vegetables what you can also do what I was just researching the other day is we can also compost at home we can think about our food waste and what happens to that and I know where we used to live, we also didn't have an outside space, um, and we were, but we collected our compost and then took it to a community garden where they then reused the compost. So our food waste got, went somewhere and we could see where that went. So that's kind of closing the cycle. And um, my children were too young at the time to really comprehend that. But I think it's an important idea to think about not just what do we consume, but also what happens with the stuff that once we're done with it. And composting is a great example. And there are now, they're called Bukashi um, composting systems that you can have on your kitchen bench without any problems. And um, through that, show, show children what happens to food waste and um, what we can do with it. There are different easy, simple, practical ideas that can help our children to learn to manage their negative feelings and to actively harness the power of their minds to soothe and calm themselves and reduce stress, drawing on the positive power of their imagination and turn it into actions to find solutions rather than self-harm. I want to thank you very much, uh, Rika, for this uh, thoughtful uh, conversation. Thank you, Rika. Thank you for having me, Kulut. This is what I have got for this episode. And if you love it, please share it on your Facebook or Instagram story. And tag me at holud.ismail, K-H-O-L-O-U-D dot I-S-M-A-I-L. And remember, sharing is caring. And I wish you a wonderful day.